This morning is a little bit different, and maybe for those of you who are guests, uh, it, it requires a little bit of explanation, but uh, several years ago, about six years ago, we were studying through the first half of the book of Exodus, and uh, we saw something striking. When the people of Israel cross the Red Sea there in about chapter 15, uh, 14 and 15 of the book of Exodus, you would imagine, you know, they're fleeing from Egypt, they're running away from this place where they've been enslaved, they're running to the promised land, which God had offered them, and you would imagine they would just be in a hurry to get to the place they're going, to get away from their enemies and to the land of promise. But something interesting happens, and we noticed it at the time, and again, this was several years ago, when they get across the Red Sea, they don't hurry on to the next stop, they actually pause and they sing. It's kind of a weird thing to do. From a military standpoint, it doesn't make any sense, but they stop and they sing praises to God for what he had done, what they had witnessed him doing in and through them. And we noted at the time, there's probably a good note for us as a church family that sometimes we just rush from one thing to the next, right? You rush from your study in Ecclesiastes into a study of the minor prophets, into a study of who we are as a church, into a study of Mark, into Christmas, boom, 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 you just keep going and going and going, and sometimes you don't carve out enough space to stop and actually think about what God may have been saying to you or what he's been doing. So we started doing these things called response Sundays, and they've looked different over the course of the years, but I would say probably two or three times a year we have a Sunday carved out like this one, and the point of the Sunday is just to reflect on what God has been saying to us and who God is and what we've been learning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this morning four different prompts. Um, each one of these has a... a a piece of it that is for quiet contemplation. It's for you to consider, right? There's a couple of questions for you to think about. Um, people respond to these kinds of things differently. Some people will answer these questions really quickly. Some people need a little bit of space. So we're going to give you a little bit of space, but we're not going to give you too much space, right? Some people need it to be absolutely silent in order to really contemplate things and really reflect. Other people can't focus if it's too quiet. They need a little bit of background noise. So for a couple of these, uh, Eli's going to play uh, some music in the background, and for a couple of them, it'll be quiet. Um, but in each case, you might be the kind of person who wants to journal. You might be the kind of person that wants to turn to the, to the neighbor next to you and have a little bit of discussion and dialogue. If that's helpful, you're welcome to do that. You might just want to sit with your eyes closed and think about these things. You might want to draw a picture. It doesn't matter. What we're trying to encourage is the breadth of response that looks true and honest for you, and we're going to carve out some space here. So I've got four prompts this morning. Each one of them has a moment of contemplation, and then that will be followed by a moment of conversation. So there's a moment of contemplation where you're considering, and then a moment of conversation, we're inviting you to have a conversation with God. And that can look like a, a silent prayer, it could be a prayer with the people next to you, but we'll give you a prompt that you're allowed to sort of, or encouraged to use, and sort of make your own in each one of these. So for the first one of these prompts, I want to go all the way back to our study in the Minor Prophets. You may remember that in the summer, uh, we did a series, uh, it's the first of two pieces, we did a series called Who You Call in Minor Prophets, and we studied Hosea, Joel, Amos, and Obadiah this summer. We'll go back next summer and finish up the Minor Prophets. But as we studied Hosea, Joel, Amos, and Obadiah, one of the major themes that we saw coming up again and again is that God is using the prophets to call his people to wake up and to return to him. For a variety of reasons, there are these places where the people of Israel and of Judah had become, sometimes they become arrogant, sometimes they become hard-hearted, sometimes they become lackadaisical in their pursuit of God, sometimes they'd forgotten the things that God had done entirely. And so through the prophets, what we saw again and again was God calling them to wake up and remember who he was, remember what he'd done, and remember what he was calling them to. And so in a moment of reflection and contemplation for us this morning, I'm going to put a question, a couple of questions up on the screen for you to think about and respond to. 
questions, uh, the questions are these. What aspects of your life seem most vibrant and awake to the reality of the kingdom of God? Where have you potentially become too casual or indifferent about God's love for you or his hopes for your life? And how can you actively pursue revival in those areas? So we're just going to take two or three minutes. And again, you can chat about this with other people. You can be quiet. You can write. You can journal. But will you think about these things? And there's action involved in these as well. Let's take a moment and just contemplate what these questions mean in our lives. And then I'll bring us back together in a second. Now, having taken a moment to think through those questions, I'm going to invite you to pray something along these lines together with me. The prayer or the conversation is this. Jesus, your love has brought me from death to life. Holy Spirit, help me to live a life wide awake to the reality of who you are and who I am because of you. Please bring revival to the areas of my daily life where I am failing to acknowledge your presence or reveal you to others. Will you take a moment and pray through that?
I mentioned before that some people like to do these things quickly and some people like to take time. I am the sort of person who thinks to myself, I'd say it's been about eight minutes. And then I look up at the clock and it's been 25 seconds. So that tells you a little bit about the pace at which I live my life, maybe. Secondly, I want us to draw our attention to the series that we did in September, and we do this every fall, called Who We Are. That's a time for us as a church to remind ourselves about our mission and vision and values, uh, why this church exists in this time, at this place, and what it is we think God's called us to do. And in the midst of that study this year, uh, we, we were talking about the idea that we exist so that Christ would be revealed. We want to see Christ revealed in us. Not only do we want to see Christ revealed in us, but we believe that happens as Christ is revealed to us, then he's revealed in us, both individually and corporately, and the outcome of that then would be that Christ would be revealed by us to our friends and family and neighbors and those we come into contact with. So we spent uh, four weeks or so sort of unpacking those ideas. Here's a, a, a couple of questions for contemplation in response this morning. <clears throat> in what ways... Have you seen Christ more accurately revealed in you or in our church over the last six months? How has Christ been increasingly revealed to you? Take a moment to reflect on what a gift it is that God shows himself to us as we abide in him. So there's a moment there for you to contemplate the ways in which you're seeing Christ revealed in you and in our church the way that Jesus is revealing himself to you, and then just to ponder and reflect upon what a gift it is that he reveals himself to us at all. Take a few minutes and we'll come back together in just a second to pray. as a prompt for conversation with God in prayer. Pray through this. Father, empower me by the strength of your Holy Spirit in my inner being so that Jesus will be settled down and at home in me. And then as I am increasingly rooted and established in his love, I will see you more clearly revealed in the midst of my community and become more and more like you. It's a prayer based loosely on Paul's second prayer in the book of Ephesians, chapter three, to be empowered so that Jesus would be settled down, that we would grow to know him more and become more like him as we see him revealed. Would you take a minute and pray through that? After our Who We Are series, we moved into then what has been the first part of our study in the Gospel of Mark, and we've been in that in October and November, 
Um, we'll pick that up again in January. But one of the major themes that we've seen repeated in our initial study of the book of Mark are the various responses to Jesus. And in fact, we, we understand that's part of what Mark is trying to bring to our attention is that everywhere Jesus goes, uh, there are a variety of different responses. There are people who think he's out of his mind. There are people who think he's the Messiah. There are people who think he's got some good things to say. People who just want a free lunch or they want to be healed. There are so many different responses in it. In some ways, what Mark Mark is trying to provoke in the reader is the question of how will you respond to Jesus? If I lay out a picture of him and who he is and what he's done, what will that stir in you and, and what response will you have? There are a few people who get it right in their response and there are a lot of people who look at Jesus and they only see what they want to see, right? So for us, in thinking about the many and various responses to Jesus, here's a, here's a question or a group of questions for contemplation and response to the first half of our study in Mark. The questions are these. What questions do you have about Jesus, his approach, his teaching, and his mission? And how will you consider these things more seriously and potentially find new insights about Christ? If you have no questions, what might this say positively or negatively about your view of Jesus? Take a few minutes now and think about these. For conversation, consider this prayer. Holy Spirit, guide me towards hope, truth, and love as my view of Jesus expands. Grow my faith in God as I treasure your word and grapple with my understanding of it in humility and joy. Take a few moments to speak to God about these things.
And finally, um, in Mark, another one of the major themes we've seen again and again is this idea that Jesus is reframing people's perceptions. He's reframing their perceptions of their religion. He's reframing their perceptions of their culture. He's sometimes reframing their perceptions of what holiness looks like, what's clean and unclean. He's certainly reframing their perceptions of themselves and reframing their perceptions of one another as he does that, the way they think about their community and each other. So here, here are some questions for contemplation and reflection in response this morning. What aspects of Jesus' approach to others do you find most inspiring? And what are the most obvious differences between his approach and the way you typically think, speak, and behave towards others? And what do you think would happen if you adopted his way in your daily life? So take just a couple of minutes and consider these. And in conversation with Jesus, here's a prayer to consider. Jesus, give me the courage to embody your radical, loving, and gracious approach to life and godliness. Holy Spirit, provoke words and actions in my life that align with the heart of Jesus, love my neighbor well, and glorify God. Take a minute and talk to God about that. Now Joshua's going to come back out. He's going to lead us into a time of communion as we continue our response Sunday together.